Welcome to the new Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. In this episode, I will be releasing backlogs. So I'm going to do three such episodes, the first of which is with Vito Grigoli. This was recorded October 21st, 2020, and it was a while ago, but I want to clear this from my karmic database as well as give Vito the airtime that he so deserves and has been waiting for and perhaps even forgot about. So here we go. This is a fun conversation and I can't wait to share it with you. So thank I mean, first off, I mean, I, this has never happened to me before where I've, I've uh, done a podcast with someone that I've not met because I don't think we have met in person. No, right? no, not yet. Um, who's just recorded for a song that I'm about to release. <laughs> <laughs> the wonders of technology. Yeah, so thank you. Um, how do you know Monica? I know Monica through Vidu. Oh, okay. I produced Vidu's last album, or his first album. Oh, cool. Okay. And uh, I met Vidu through um, somebody had referred him to us when Kimberly and I, Kimberly Haynes and I were going on tour in the Arizona area. And uh, Vidu and I and Kim hit it off immediately, and we did like three or four gigs um, in Arizona. And uh, it was very funny because she would introduce over on my left, here's Vito. On my right, <laughs> here's Vidu. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, Vidu uh, came out from uh, Arizona a number of times working on his album. And uh, during that time, he also constructed this beautiful um, sound booth that I have here that was his custom creation. Um, oh, neat. And if I had video, I could show it to you. <laughs> Sadly, that's going in a list of things to troubleshoot on this brand new computer, along with many, many other things. <laughs> that's so cool. So you're in California, right? Because I... Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, Los Angeles. Okay, because I was speaking with Kimberly a few weeks ago. I actually just scheduled her podcast to release this week. Um, cool. And yeah, and she was telling me that you lived near each other. Yeah, we're like literally five minutes away from each other, which works yeah. out really nicely. Oh my God, it's hailing here. Oh my gosh. Whoa, that's crazy. Wow, um, oh cool. Yeah, I bet it's not hailing there. <laughs> no, <laughs> but we are having our first actual day that seems like fall. I think oh, it's- nice. uh, I mean, I think depends on how you Maybe actually, fall. I love fall. I, I am not a big fan of summer typical summer weather. It's 66 right now. We're going to have a high of 73, which is unheard of compared to what we've, uh, what we've had for the whole, you know, big, long, ugly summer. Yeah. Yeah. There was quite a heat wave there. My, my dad lives in LA. Oh yeah. It was, and I think Woodland Hills, it was like 120 at one point. So Whoa, what, what? I, I, I don't think I heard that. That's nuts. I used to live in Phoenix and I mean, it would be consistently 115 ish yeah I, mean, I like 105 I, to I, I don't really understand how people can enjoy that kind of weather which is probably why they all Who have says anyone's enjoying it <laughs> <laughs> which is why they all have air conditioning <laughs> my one trip to phoenix uh I, I went there for a gig a number of years ago and it was hot dusty and the air conditioners were on full and i'm going it's not kind of like uh, you know, take out the fun of living in the desert when you pretend you're not. <laughs> Let's pretend it's the East Coast, like everybody here in California. 
has these big luxurious long lawns that are you know chew up a lot of water as if we're in you know Nantucket or something <laughs> anyway we digress <laughs> uh, it's it's all on point um one of the things I think is really cool about talking to people especially if they're like you if they're willing to be you know um goofy uh it's <laughs> just to kind of hear what people are like you know because when you hear somebody record or you hear their music you don't necessarily get kind of a feel for um for what they're like so that that's I love that. I think that that's really cool. Yeah, it is interesting because text um, outside of a few emoticons really doesn't give away a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. For sure. Well, and you know, um, I just felt like other people would be interested in that. I, I would, I would have conversations with people, you know, at, at festivals or concerts or whatever. And I was just thought like, wow, these are like the best conversations that you have with other musicians you know, when you're just waiting for your set to come, you know, to, yeah. and, and, and nobody ever gets to hear this. They just hear the, the definitions of the mantras when you get them. <laughs> <laughs> um, a number of years ago, I did a, a, a radio show for uh, One World Music and the, they're out of the UK, but really out of Cyprus. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> I think I've heard it, of that. And uh, really, really nice people. Um, and I did a little podcast for them, uh, and it was really interesting because we I, I and kind of dragged in my friend who uh, does a radio show for, um, I'm blanking out of the call letters, but it's out of St. Louis, uh, Kansas City, rather. Uh, her name's Renee Blanche. Uh, she does a great radio show out of there. Um, and if I could remember the name, I would probably be really better at describing this. Anyway, she does a show where she doesn't talk much, just introduces the song and some great new age music, occasionally some mantra stuff. So she KCUR, really doesn't- I'm just looking at it, it's KCUR 89. KCUR, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and her show is, oh, I'll look it up on, I'll just look it up while we're talking. Um, anyway. Containing the Calm. Is oh, that that's it? always, a, no, no, but that's a great title. <laughs> it is KCUR. 89.3 and it's uh night tides night tides that's it okay right now anyway uh she's a really wonderful person and i because she doesn't get to really talk or ask questions of people she's just you know introducing a couple of songs um when i got her in on this radio show we would interview people um on the show other new age artists predominantly and get to talk about things and she would ask the qu questions that i think fans are curious about mm. you know i'm going to ask more you know musician-like questions but it was really nice to bounce off her in that way because oh, you get to know such a good point yeah i see what you're saying so kind of what we're doing now which is like talk about stuff because you don't really get much when you listen to uh you know a 22 minute you know chill piece or a 40 minute kirtan uh-huh <laughs> you know so what sorts of things did you find like did she ask that you were like oh yeah fans would be interested in that i wouldn't have thought of that well how things come together is one of them you know how did you create that um you know for instance you know monica sent me your track and gave me some instruction and i played something and sent it back to her and then she goes well can you do it do it a little more fuchsia, fuchsia? can you take Fuchsia, can you take out the, you know, the burgundy out of, out of the track? Um, I'm 
making a joke about it, but. <laughs> well, no, because I know Monica is very specific about what she wants. She's. Which is excellent because, yeah. you know, there's, there's three types of people that you work with. People who know exactly what they want, which is uh -huh. great. I tend to be that person. Um, and people who are very receptive to having things take a left, right, up or down turn. That's kind of like me. <laughs> and then there's people who don't know what they want, but they know they don't like what you're doing. <laughs> you can't possibly tell you what it is you should be doing. And those are the most frustrating. A or B are very easy to work with. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> what would we call that? That would be like the, the self-assured, the receptive, and the critical. Oh, no, it's the, I would say the last one is the obtuse. Obtuse. The person, oh, okay. You know, the person who really doesn't have a, a grasp on the big picture. You yeah. Know, but they just know it, it kind of makes them, you know, not feel excited or settled, and, but they have no idea what it is. And you, you hear, listen to composers talk about working with direct, certain directors on a project, and they'll do this brilliant piece of music, and the director will go, I don't know. It's just not right. Yeah, um, they don't know how to fix it. And they don't know how to fix. They don't know what to tell the the, the composer. They don't know what to, how to direct them. And they'll say something that's obviously not the right answer, um, and it'll just confuse the composer more. <laughs> Such as that. And I feel so like that's kind of how I am with percussionists. I don't know hmm. how to tell a percussionist what I want, except that I know that that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep, keep trying, yeah. Because well, I just don't know anything about percussion. Is it, do you do percussion? Yeah, I, I have experience with almost every instrument, I think, except for violin. Oh, okay, wow. So I started out as a drummer, and then oh, I switched yeah. to bass, and then I switched to guitar, and then along the way I picked up piano, flute, and then, you know, guitar, whatever. Whatever I can get my hands on, basically. Do they kind of speak to you? Like, do you, do you get kind of a feel for them? Is it sort of like a symbiotic thing where you, you hold it and you, or do you have to kind of study to learn how to do it? It varies, you know, certain instruments. I think once you play, you know, more than two instruments, you begin to see that it's, the musicality is all the same. It's a matter of um, finding out how to switch it on, how to switch it off and how to make it move. It's like driving a, a, a car, mm -hmm. you know, you know how to drive a car, but if you got into a truck, okay, well, it's a little bit different. There's this gear shift, and then there's second gear shift, and there's this other brake, and and then you get into a boat, and it's like, okay, well, they're out. Okay, where's the accelerator? Where's, okay, there's a wheel. I know how to turn the wheel. <laughs> and then you adapt. The wheel may turn, you know, vociferously, or it may turn with great effort. You have to really pull it. And so each instrument, you're kind of looking at it in the same way. You're going, okay, what does it take to make it go? How do I make it turn? How do I make it stop? It's just like driving in a vehicle. Huh. You, you know how to make the music. It's, and then you get into the stylistic things where, you know, if you listen to a certain style long enough, you know what it's supposed to sound like. So if I'm playing a dumbback and it's sounding, I'm playing it and make it, making it sound like a Congo, I'm doing it wrong. Hmm. But if you add these little grace notes, you can hear it in your head and you just try to make the sound with your hands. You know, the difference between me and a real doomback player is there's no 
distance between the the thought of the sound and making the sound. I have to think about it. I'm going, okay, what would it take hmm. to get that? What's the pattern really, you know? So something like that. Oh, sorry, my son just entered. Um, hold on one second. No problem. Well, tell me about making um, Prem Vidu's last album. I'm, I'm curious. Oh, that was such a great sound booth. Such a great uh, time doing that. Um, when we started, I was living in Glendale in a um, house up in the hills, uh, fairly remote, and it was beautiful. And there were uh, birds and trees, and I actually saw an eagle once, which was really cool. And uh, but there was no um, soundproofing in there. And so I constantly had problems with when the neighbors had their lawns mowed and blowed or, you know, various other things that would cause disruptions. Um, and then I decided, well, I found out there was a house, uh, a space available in this house in Topanga near Kimberly. And I've always wanted to move here. So, um, uh, I took the place and it had this big, kind of basement-y thing. It's more like a, 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 a patio that was uh, covered to make it a, a, a livable space. So it's very open to the backyard and stuff. It's really quite beautiful, um, but it's just kind of this big one room uh, with this marble floor in it. And <laughs> it just reminded me because I'm hearing it right now. But the pipes from upstairs go along one of the walls. So every time anybody runs any water or flushes the toilet, you hear this big sound. And I'm underneath the patio upstairs where the other tenants live, and they have three kids and a dog. And so you're always hearing clump, 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 you know, the sound of elephants, as I call it. So it was like a parent, I was gonna have to do something. And I started out with my brother-in-law helping me make this kind of um, blankets and fiberglass uh, temp booth that didn't work out very well. <laughs> And so uh, Vidu was coming out, and, and one of his many skills is as a skilled carpenter. Ah, of course. And so I said, what do you think about this? My brother-in-law drew up this drawing. Can we make this? And he goes, yeah, actually. So while he was here on a number of trips, he, he gradually built it up and you know, changed the design, to make it more effective, and he made it really beautiful. We put one of these beautiful tapestry mandalas on the front of it and he put a window in it and I swear it changed my life because <laughs> anytime I want to make music, I, put, I set up a, um, a, t a computer to monitor inside. I walk in there, flip a switch and I'm going within 30 seconds. Whereas oh. before it was just, you know, a major ordeal to try to get to making a, a quiet recording. But now it's like, Go in there, lay a guitar track, lay a vocal track, drum track, whatever I want to do. I am completely isolated. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. So that's part of <laughs> him make, making his CD. But he came to get more back to the question. He came over and he said, I have these songs. They're very dear to me. They're all to uh, you know, the mother, Ma, um, Holy Divine Mother. And I, or, I, I really want to get these down. And so he played them for me and we talked about where they wanted to go and uh, what kind of texture and stuff. I mean, sometimes we 
get a rough track. Sometimes he played live while I played guitar and we worked on it. Um, and we gradually got an, a, a character for each of the songs. And we, we'd lay some tracks down. And what was the nice thing about him constructing this is I could work on tracks while he was doing that, that were going directly mm. into it, like bass and electric guitar and drums. I have a, um, a MIDI kit here so I can do drums without making any noise. And of course, obviously, he did plays drums. Uh -huh. So we would put it all together or he would do some tracks while he was at home and send them to me. And um, gradually the songs would take shape. And during this time, he was really working on his voice. He had, I think, an operation on his voice. Oh, I didn't um, that. Um, and his recovery process was like an Olympic athlete getting ready to, to really. So when he showed up here to do his vocals, his voice was in a completely different place. It was sounding beautiful and had so much more control. And we would just, you know, we had a really just great symbiosis of, of ideas where he would say, you know, I kind of wanted to do this, you know, okay. I said, well, what about this? Kind of a slightly left turn. He go, oh, well, that's really cool. And so we would kind of just walk with each other as each, depending on who, which person was leading, kind of, I guess, kind of like a dance. Um, and it, the songs gradually took shape and, um, it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> that's so cool. I'm also like visually that sounds really fun because that's not a typical recording situation where you have like your artist doing carpentry while you're <laughs> <laughs> I was literally laying bass tracks with the headphones while I was in there, um, you know, with the power drill, um, <laughs> not 10 feet from me. And I go, hey, come on, listen to this. What do you think of this group? <laughs> that's hilarious. It was kind of hilarious and, and not like any project I've ever worked on. And he was, he, he really gave me a lot of slack to, to try things. Um, like we, he was in there doing vocals and we were talking about doing background vocals and I just would come up with ideas and you know, he'd come back with another idea. And it was just a lot of fun being just creative and you know, not feeling like there was any kind of clamps down or restrictions down on what we were doing. Yeah, uh, Garish uh, did a tabla track, and a friend of his, I can't remember his name, did a a horn track on one tune, and the rest was just Vidu and I, and wow. having a lot of fun. He played guitar on a few of the songs, and uh, I played guitar on the rest of them. He played drums on, I think, all of them, and you know, he he brought over some of his drops, and I have some of my drums, and he'd go in the booth and you know whack away some cool parts. And there's this one song where it's um, kind of two against three, an African beat. And he has, I think, three drums going on. And I've got like three guitars that are doing something different. So there's this huge wash of um, rhythm. And then there's this one kick drum that's driving it on one, two, three, four, so you know where you are. But that was so much fun to play with okay. or play around with, you know, being able to create things around that. So I highly recommend that everybody takes a listen to Friend Vidu's uh, album yeah a lot of fun. and very yeah. devotional and it's you know another thing about it is he totally put his heart into it 100 percent yeah so yeah oh good he has a big heart he has and a humongous heart <laughs> and you also have music that you have created that yes, ma'am you are <laughs> the featured artist for i am the artiste in those things yes <laughs> Um, so what yes, is that I, like? that's, um, 
like like can like recording yourself i guess versus as i'm assuming you recorded it yeah yeah i did everything on it i, I think i had my first album i did was um yoga heart healing which is an ambient album uh for yoga as the title says and healing as the title also yeah. says yeah. you know massage and everything and all the things you'd use chill out music for. And I did it on synth with a little bit of uh, S-Raj, you know, the Indian instrument with uh -huh. the bow. Um, that's all I used on it, maybe some, oh, there's a bowl, a bell rather, uh, my meditation bell that I have. Other than that, it's just all synth. And um, that was my first record. And, uh, you know, I had been making new age music, I realized since I was, since about 1978. I just didn't know it was called New Age then. <laughs> and for years and years, I didn't think anybody wanted to hear it. You know, I think anybody would pay music. And in 1978, nobody would, you know. A few people knew about Steve Halper mm -hmm. or Suzanne Doucette, you know. All, it's all so funny were. that you mentioned her name because that was somebody that I had a call with last year because she's she does marketing now. Yeah. 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 I got to, I, I hadn't heard of her in terms of being a musician though. So, because um, I guess I, the, the, the new age genre for me was just something that I think I sort of tagged along with uh, when I would submit stuff for the, for the, for the recording academy, for the Grammys. Um, Cause that's sort of the only, you know, genre that one can. Yeah, and it's, um, and it's, a shame. it's a shame there's not two categories, instrumental and, uh, and vocal. So I think yeah. the vocal. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, there, there also, I guess there also is like the, the category, which is um, instrumental, non-classical. Yeah, this, this contemporary instrumental, which a lot of the uh, Wyndham Hill people are kind of going into is, you know, there's a large part of the community that is very uncomfortable with the New Age label. Huh. I understand that, but as I've been advocated and every time I get to talk to those people, I say, you know, it's like being the way uh, Reagan made liberal a dirty word. Huh. You know, we have to reclaim liberal, and I think we're finally doing that, where liberal is a good thing. Liberal is what mm -hmm. brought you Social Security, your unemployment, your fire department, you know, all these things. Yeah. In the same way, I think we have to go, New Age isn't necessarily airy-fairy, um, stuff it's also very grounded and very healing it's you know yoga is been embraced by the whole um you know mainstream yeah. media now and it's no longer just this you know uh, flaky thing that people did um who were far 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 left <laughs> <laughs> so in the same way new age music which everybody is using in some way or fashion you know, it has to stop being looked at as just elevator music, stuff you listen to at the spa, because there is that, mm. but there's also, you know, five or six other main subcategories, let alone other more niche categories within the uh, New Age umbrella. Right, just not, not in the Recording Academy. Yeah, well, the Recording Academy is another story. I was on the, last year, I was on the uh, screening committee for, uh, the style, which basically we listen to stuff and the answer to the question, is it new age? And there was like 10, 12 of us, maybe. Donna Delory, uh, who's a good friend of mine, was there as well. We were 
sitting together and we would li listen to stuff and go, well, actually it's more jazz or it's more contemporary mm -hmm. instrumental. We'd all vote on it. And mm -hmm. Suzanne was, I think the, uh, not the co-chair, but she was obviously the senior member. Anyway, I digress. So yeah, my first release was Yoga Heart Healing. I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about uh, much of anything other than making the music. And uh, that's, that's how I got into doing that. I started my record label though um, on my first release, which was uh, by Jamya Sakya, who's a, uh, a Tibetan um, female Lama. She was the wife of uh, the head of the Sakya lineage in the West. And I was fortunate enough to be able to record her and work with her and study under her. Uh, and that was my first release. And I only started the record label so that I could have a place to put my music. Because in 2000, there was really no place to put your music. Huh. That's interesting. Well, it's happened in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just thinking. I don't think I've spoken to somebody who has felt really comfortable in, like, the new age label. Because so many of the mus musicians that I know, like, you know, do mantra or... Um, yeah, the, the problem with mantra is it doesn't really fall under any category. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, yeah. I mean, some of the stuck. stuff that people are doing is more like pop, too, but it's just has different words. They're just I'm sure you talked about pop. this with Kimberly. Kimberly does sacred pop. No, I didn't, actually. We actually talked about her, her husband a lot, and... Um, it was a very sweet podcast, but we, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. Well, that's a rather big topic. Yeah. Um, but her music is uh, sacred pop. It can be anywhere from mantra, Hebrew mantra, you know, Sanskrit mantra, and it could be pop song. The song we're releasing on Friday, the October 23rd, I'm not sure when this will air. Um, It'll be out by then. It's, um, it's a R and B song, but it's oh, political. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, a social consciousness song, consciousness song. So she's just released a song, um, I think last month called Narrow Bridge, which I'm sure she talked about because yeah. it has a lot to do with her husband. And um, that is new age because it's the big washy synths that I did, but it's also got Hebrew lyrics. Uh -huh. It's also got this chant at the end. So, you know, she herself as an artist goes from, one end of the spectrum to the other. So how do you categorize her? Yeah. She's a singer songwriter. She's also a sacred singer. You know? So this whole, this whole thing about categorizing um, music is really starting to break down because there's so much cross pollination. You know, mm -hmm. there's, you know, what's that band? Snark puppy. Uh, I don't know. Um, they're kind of a jazz band, but they do kind of a, funky uh you know almost all alt pop thing it's just a bunch of different things thrown together creating this subgenre but subgenre subgenre of what exactly you know so my point being is that these these old traditional labels are starting to lose their efficacy they were put together to market music you know i want to market this to jazz fans i want to market this yeah. to rock fans on a market to classical fans, you know. My third album that I did was a classical album with two violinists, but there was also elements of you know, pop in it. There was elements of new age in it. 
I suppose it's just sort of what you can get away with. <laughs> yeah. Well, the trouble is, is that people still do want to have things marketable. Hmm. <laughs> they, they still want that is they, the trouble. <laughs> you know, when you go on Spotify, there are only so many categories. You know, when you go on to Apple Music, you know, I think there's. When you say there's only so many categories on Spotify, I don't think I've ever searched music via by by category. That's interesting. Huh. When you go, when you try to list something, it's SoundCloud. There is no New Age category. Oh. You know, it's. So every, you know, everybody's looking at through their own glasses, yeah. you know, through their own spectrum. And it's very hard to release music, you know, and I'm, as an artist, since you asked me, um, you know, the second album I did was a Latin guitar album, you know, with some jazz overtones, oh, cool. with some classical overtones. There were a couple of classical pieces on there too. Um, Cause I studied classical guitar at university, you know, my, Next album after that was Primordial Sonics, which is kind of a world beat groove with, you know, I would say Indian leanings, but with didgeridoo all through it. Oh, wow. Do you play didgeridoo? No, no. That's my good friend, Stephen Kent, who's probably the best didgeridoo player in, in the uh, Western Hemisphere outside of uh, Australia. If you talk to any didgeridoo player, they know who he is and they go, oh, yeah. And they start doing the we're not worthy thing, right? <laughs> That's a hard, I mean, it looks like a hard instrument. I've tried. I, you know, it's one of those I could not get my head around or my lips around, so to speak. <laughs> uh, a lot of people do really well with it. It was yeah. not, not, not resonating with that. But I love the sound of it. And I, I've done a number of different things with Stephen on uh, we did something for uh, Malak Anguli with Donna Delory that was had didgeridoo in it. We did something on Kimberly's album with didgeridoo. So I'm always trying to work that in somewhere because it's just so cool. I mean, it's a great drone instrument. It's right there with the tambura as being one of the ultimate drones. Do you like recording it? Does it is it hard to record it to get the actual? Sound? Yeah, I, I mean, if you're gonna do it right, I mean. You can do it with one mic, but the last thing I did with Steven back up at his old studio in um, Fairfax, um, we had a mic on the front of it, we had a mic on the side of it, and we had a mic in the room, trying to get the, you know, because it has so many resonant frequencies, it's not something you want to, you know, tightly mic and think that you're getting the whole picture of it. Right. I love, yeah, my, I had somebody who played um, bass for me in Phoenix who also played didgeridoo. Cool. Trying to figure out ways to incorporate that, but <laughs> he would, he would use it for Shavasana because he taught yoga. Mm -hmm. And um, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I know a lot of people who will do like the walk around the room and the blow yeah. people's chest and it's like, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So are you working on anything currently? Yeah, um, I did an album, I think it was 2015, called Omeland, with uh, the guy who won the uh, New Age Grammy the year before, Ricky Kesh, who's now an uh, ambassador for, um, environmental ambassador uh, through the UN, and he's doing all these great things around the world. Um, and he and I have started working on an album just before, um, 
some of the craziness, post-Grammy craziness came on for him where he was doing this big eco music project and consequently a number of eco music projects. So we, we've never finished it, but we kind of revisited it about a, two months ago. We're going to try to swing back to that. That's as far as a personal album for me. Um, and I'm working on other projects for other people, obviously, you know, a number of things with Kimberly. Uh, but the biggest project I'm working on now in terms of like, uh, impact will be, uh, a project with the Bhagavad Gita. Um, a friend of mine, uh, did a translation of the Gita into rhyme scheme because all the translations into English are very trying to be very accurate and trying to Into be very right sorry it's it, it's it's a sorry it's it's a translation that rhymes or, or what it yes yeah, so the original like all sacred texts of any language you have a rhyme scheme so that you can remember it because there were no books oh. so in order to, the oral tradition you know things were done as songs and poems rhyme scheme i like that rhyme scheme so um so she did it that way, you know, sacrificed a little bit in literal mm -hmm. translation to get it to be so it could be sung. So she published it, it's called The Song Divine, um, and it's available at all your usual places. Uh, and it's a wonderful translation, being able to look at it in a different way rather than a academic translations. Um, there's some really great um, interpretive translations. I have a, a copy or two myself. Uh, where you know the person will ex um, extemporize on what what it's being said and kind of give you a context and everything. Hers deals just in making it something contemporary that we can look at and experience in that same rhyme scheme fashion. Cool. And so she called me up and said, "I want to put this to music and make a musical out of it." I thought, "Well, that is a great idea. What oh the hell? God. Let's do that." that and she amazing set. <laughs> and she knew that I had done Omeland and a number of other projects with Mala Ganguly. And so I was very versed, well versed in Indian music, although I don't consider myself anywhere near an expert, far from it. But I have uh, dipped a toe into it. Uh -huh. um, so we've been working on that for the last two years and we're getting kind of close to finishing it. Um, we went through a number of ideas on who would sing it, at least the initial album version. She wants to get some pretty A-list people to be doing the you know, the final product, you know, some, maybe somebody like John Legend, you know, it's basically, because once you take all the political stuff out of the Gita, it's basically just Krishna talking to Arjuna. So that's kind of a two person musical. Uh -huh. And we've added a few other elements to, to bring uh, into it, but it's still basically just the teachings of the Gita in that sense. And like I said, most of the political elements have been uh, taken out. Um, so it's been really a lot of fun to do because stylistically she wanted it to be pop uh, and not necessarily, you know, she, cause she wants it for Western audiences and for uh, people in India who want to get away from the traditional, you know, uh, tambora and tabla, yeah. guitar, whatever thing and have it be, you know, cause India is very much into Western music as you probably know. Mm -hmm. So, I decided, you know, we should make it a rock musical, not like something you might see on Broadway now where there's, you know, Lame is Rob, where it's very, yeah. very Broadway. Um, so, you know, there's, the first song sounds a little bit like Steve Winwood. The second song is kind of Elton John. 
The third song is kind of Hakuna uh, Matata. Uh, the next song is kind of like Yes from the 80s. Uh, the next song's kind of Pink Floyd. There's a rap song. There's a EDM song. There's um, a couple of just straight ahead pop songs. Um, there's, a, there's a reggae tune. Uh, the one I'm working on now, what is that one? That's kind of James Brown, I think. So I'm really being able to take all these different styles that I've worked in over my career, pull them together and try to make a cohesive element of it that will you know, keep people's attention because as you know, the Gita is 18 chapters. So that's easily a two and a half hour musical or a double album. Oh, okay. No, I actually know very little about the Bhagavad Gita because I mostly know about Sikhism when it comes to... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, religion. of course. Of course, yes. But... Um, well, you should, you know, when it comes out, you should get a copy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it will be very instructive if I've done it right. Do, do you... So she, she obviously wrote the lyrics um, and you're doing the entire thing and everything is a song or are you picking like... No, we're doing all 18 chapters and, we're t and it's really challenging because some of these have 30, 40 verses in them oh, okay. or stanzas. So I have to get really creative how, you know, because normally a pop song is first chorus, first chorus, bridge, chorus. Sure. So you basically have four stanzas, maybe five. If you're Bob Dylan, you have maybe <laughs> 10. Um, so I had to get really sneaky how I did this. And eventually I got her to cut some repetitive stuff. Uh -huh. So I wasn't starting with 30. I was starting with 15 and trying to make it into a song. Huh. Uh, one of the reasons the rap song came about is I was realizing, I was listening to some Tibetan chant. And I realized this is, this is sacred rap. Huh. This is, they're doing the same thing. It's rhythmic. It's you know, got rhyme on the end of it so that you can remember it. It's the same oral tradition, you know, rap is no different. So I got this idea, well, this long, particularly long one, I'll just have them rap it so I can get like four stanzas in per verse. Huh. Do a, a hooky chorus and then do another four. <laughs> so. Wow, that sounds really interesting. So when are you, uh, so are you releasing this as an album first or are you going to be like pitching this to a theater company or? Well, theater's dead right now because of COVID. So <laughs> right. in a sense, we had this reprieve where we could kind of huddle up and, and try to finish it up before, you know, life returns to Broadway. In the course of time, she's been talking to some TV people about other possibilities. So I'm not sure exactly where it's going to inevitably end up. But we're going to start out with releasing it as an album and use that as our calling card. Um, as I said, she's trying to get, you know, big name people to do the final vocals, but right now I'm on song 16 of 18. So well, I'm on 15. I need to start 16 this week. Um, and she made a trip to India, I think about six months ago. Before, well, now it's probably about nine months ago before the lockdown and got one of the top singers there, uh, Sonu Nigam to do a vocals on one of the songs. And while she was there, she tracked some Bansuri and, um, and uh, Sarangi that, I, that I, she brought home for me to work with. Other than that, I've played all the instruments on the record so far. I've had one song I had to get uh, my friend Greg Vizanet, who plays with Ringo Starr and other famous people to come in and do the drum part because I composed the song in 9-8 and I didn't know what to do with that. 
Um, but other than that, it's just been me here, so I can kind of do things quickly uh, once they're finished being written. And the two singers right now, it's um, Deepak Ramapriyan, I always say that wrong, and, and uh, Alex uh, Perez. Um, and so they have their projects, and uh, we're trying to get their vocals in between what they're doing for their own things. So it's been kind of slow going in that sense, but uh, we're starting to catch up and I'm hoping to have it done uh, by the end of the year, have it ready, mixed and ready to go. That's really cool. It's really fun. I can't tell you, and it sounds, I, I am so proud of this material. My, one of the other uh, pod, or one of, it's like several, several podcasts ago, but I was talking with uh, Sangeeta Kaur, I just, yeah, she's a good friend. Yeah, so she did that. She did a mantra musical. I mean, I know it's it's different than what you're doing, but one yeah. of the things that really struck me about what she was talking about was that the the performers were she was saying were just so grateful to be like vibrating these these words, you know, and and doing this musical because it was so different than you know acting out a scene from. The French Revolution, for example, since you brought up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I mean, actually, I had sent Lisa, my, the woman who's uh, the head of the project, Lisa Coffee. I sent her some links to uh, Sangeeta's videos from her show, mm. saying, check this out, because, you know, this can be done. Yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Cool. Um, so do you have anything else that you want to share before we before we wrap up um let's see i mentioned kim's new song i mentioned the thing that i haven't finished yet let's see i mentioned vidu's project there's also a singer i just finished an album with who also did some um very uh, great music that's uh, singer songwriter but with a positive vibe i would say not yoga music but you know if yoga were words that you would sing to a friend this this would be it her name's mary gospe g-o-s-p-e um, and actually you should have her on your show at some point uh, yeah i will i will check her out um and if people want to find out more about you and stay in touch how should they do that um, my website is vitobergolimusic.com and um, definitely go there, sign up for the newsletter. That happens very infrequently, so your email box will not be filled. With cool. Jobs. And I'll and, post that link in the uh, podcast notes so people can click on it. And Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Cool. Thank you so much for doing this, Vito. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure and, talking to you. And, you know, like I said, you know, it's good to, to interact with the people you're working with. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming back, we'll, we're full circle. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you haven't heard the... the um, yeah, I haven't heard the mix yet. Oh, yeah. She, she, yeah, ask her to send it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening so that other people can find this podcast. Please feel free to share it, but also your subscription on your podcast listening device of choice, as well as your comment allows other people to find it. So please do that. 
For more information on Vito Gregoli and all things that he does, please visit vitogregolimusic.com. And for all things that I am up to, feel free to visit my website, portersinger.com. Sign up for my newsletter where you get a free track and have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.